I'm here today with a hero of mine. I'm a, I'm a super fan. Boss. Boss Rutan represents everything I love. Latin, rosary, Latin mass, jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, fitness, breathing. It's going to be a great show today. For those of you that don't know, of course, everybody knows. UFC Hall of Famer, Boss Rutan. He is the UFC heavyweight champion, 1999 a three-time King of Pancrust world champion. He finished his career with a 22-fight unbeaten streak. And his lifetime competition significant strike accuracy was 70.6%, the highest fight metric ever recorded. Has that ever been beaten, boss? That's still the highest? Uh, no, it's still the highest. I believe so. Sean O'Malley. That's a, he's an incredible striker. I think he's going to surpass me with big because this guy, everything he throws, it's a hit. All right. Well, still pretty impressive. Uh, also, you were the host of uh, Inside MMA, and you've been in a bunch of movies, TV. You've been in Paul Bart 1 and 2. I personally like 2. Zookeeper, Here Comes the Boom, another film I like, and you've appeared with Kevin James also in King of Queens, Kevin Can Wait. Uh, you're a devout Catholic. You're a crusader for the rosary. You love Latin, the traditional Latin mass. I've always been a fan of you. We were able to meet uh, a few weeks ago. I went to the Kevin James stand-up. He came to Dallas. My wife and I came, laughed, had fun. If if you have a chance to go see Kevin James as he's on tour, go see him. Clean, wholesome, hilarious. It was awesome. I met you there, and it was an honor. And uh, now we're on the podcast, and I just want to thank you for coming on and and welcome. Thank you very much. I was talking to you. You know, I, I literally a week before I met you, I told somebody, ask me about you. If I ever met you, I said, no, I hope soon. You know, and it was almost like God was pulling some strings. He says, hey, boom, let's meet there and tell us. Bada yeah. bing, bada boom. Here we are. Bada bing, bada boom. There it is. All right. Well, we usually lead off with the Our Father. So uh, I asked Boss before the show text. I was like, hey, we usually do the Latin Our Father. And he goes, I do everything Latin. No problem. So uh, we'll pray the Our Father and then we'll get into it. Oremus nomini patris et fidi et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celi sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secutum celo et in terra. Panum nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. Nomini patris et fidi et spiritus sancti. Amen. All right. Well, a lot of people know you, boss, but they don't know that you're a Catholic. And I, I haven't watched the whole thing, but you were on um, uh, Tim Ferriss recently. And I noticed yes. he did actually ask you about Catholicism and the rosary. Yeah. So that was actually pretty cool because Tim's not a Catholic. I've listened to a lot of Tim Ferriss podcasts. Um, so tell us, how did you, I mean, you were, I think you were, said you were raised Catholic. But tell us how you, you got serious and you got into the rosary, going to the Latin Mass, all that. Okay, so I was named after a badass saint, Saint Sebastian, yep. the, the saint of athletes as well. So that was perfect. The only saint who got martyred twice. So that's pretty cool. Um, By the way, I think a lot of people my... don't know Boss is short for Sebastian. People don't know that. Yeah. I guess it's not an American yeah, thing. The... Yeah, so the, the, the birth certificate says we call him Boss, but his names are Sebastian Andrikas Antonius. So most people in Holland, Bas actually in Holland is a very common name. They name dogs Bas. <laughs> Here it sounds really cool. So I love it. Yeah. And the way you pronounce it in Holland, say Bas Rutten. Here's Bas Rutten. Yeah, oh, you sound like a boss. Better. It sounds like B O S S. You're a boss. Yeah. 
Yes. That's what uh, every time I get confused because some people, hey, a lot of people say, call other people boss. So I think, does he know me? Yesterday I had it with some uh, fire uh, firemen who were rehearsing in the river here. And you know, one kid said, hey, boss. And he was looking at me and I looked at him and he said, is this you? Are you boss? I go, yeah. And then the whole group started. <laughs> That's funny. So, okay. Bringing it back. Um, I did my confirmation. <clears throat> and I think uh, around when I was 12 till 13, 14, my parents decided not to go to church anymore. We only were going on the holidays. And my dad said, if we only do that, you know, that's a sheer age. We might as well stop. Don't know the real reason, but we stopped. I never asked anything about it because I was an ADHD kid, child. So church for me was not a fun thing. I was always moving and, and always in trouble. Um, then uh, many years further. Oh, you know, I, I should tell this story first. So I was a very sick kid. Uh, I, I took an incredible amount of uh, cortisone, uh, steroids, and, and other things, like 45 pills a day, I remember, three times 15. Wow. I had a severe asthma, real bad asthma attacks. I uh, used inhalers all day long, but then every five weeks, I would be a week in bed, not able to eat. And I had uh, that came hand in hand with eczema. It's a horrible skin disease. I was the leper in school. I always hated it, but once I got back to the faith and I realized that melatze, which is the Dutch word for leper, I go, boom, I'm in the Bible now. So, <laughs> so I, I can't enjoy it. Um, why, why, did it go Dutch away? I, did it go away? I didn't notice any, any eczema on you or anything like that. Do you still have it? No. Well, you know, I, I still had some, it went away around 18 that I st could cover it up, little things, you know, but, but before that age, I was wearing long sleeves, turtlenecks, uh, special gloves. Winter time was the best time for me because I could wear gloves and nobody could see. It was disgusting though. You know, if I would, at times I would make a fist and like, the pus would come out. It was really thick. It was, it was ugly. You know, my arms and it was in my neck and my face and my mom had a lot of work with me. Uh, every night mummifying me that's what we called it the whole family would send in old bed sheets that she would rip into bandages and then cortisones on it and then wrapping me up in the middle of the night I would scratch it off I had a tile I was hitting the tile the whole time because pain was better than etching it drove me insane so she had a lot of work with me but uh, anyway there, there was one thing that stands out from that time and I don't know why it's now I understand why it is it was God literally planting a seed I believe so because why would I know this I was 10 years old and I was sitting in the classroom and I was staring at this tree and the teacher tried to get a hold of me and I heard I knew they, they were trying to get a hold of me because I heard them laugh and the teacher was talking but I was just zoned into the tree and literally I mean I can sit there now and I know exactly what tree where I was sitting I know everything it was really weird and suddenly he screamed at me. I go, what? He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm checking out that tree there. He goes, what's wrong with the tree? I go, how did it get there? And he goes, yeah, they planted it there, idiot. I go, yeah, dude, I understand that. But if you go to the tree before, the tree before, the tree before, you go all the way back, where do they come from? And he just, of course, thought that I was an idiot. But that was always in my head. So many years later, first of all, it started in my old house, which had a spirit. We had a spirit in the house. And that particular spirit didn't really like me. We found out it was the woman. And if I think back, uh, it was a woman who passed away, the prior owner. Uh, my kids could describe what she looked like. I mean, I seen her walk. I mean, it was very physical, the attack. It was like I could try to slip my legs out, but somehow she was sitting on my chest. So that was the only thing that I couldn't move. But the weight would be so much that I couldn't expand my chest. So I couldn't breathe. It would freak me out. And I would bowled up a lot of energy and suddenly I would scream profanity at the time and then my wife the whole house would wake up 
And she goes again. I go, yeah, again, this is crazy. And I would challenge it. I said, come now. Don't wait till I'm in a deep sleep, you know, and then sucker punch me going backstage. I would love you to come now to do it now. I'm going to fall asleep. Do it within an hour. I, I, I dare you. I was constantly trying to challenge it. <clears throat> So this is a female female apparition, a ghost, a uh, spirit, or something. Yeah. Yes. And she got physically with and me. And is this is on, this before I mean, or after your career? Or during? This is after my career. This is actually uh, in 2006, I actually made a comeback fight after seven years of not competing. Yep. So this was around the time from 2004 okay. to 2006. Okay. Um, I went to the restroom one time. I'm sitting always down so I don't have to turn the light on. I went up pee and I see my wife walking to the kitchen. I guess she's probably getting get water. So I go back to bed and she's in bed. So I'm grabbing the gun. I go through the house and nobody's in the house. Then a big one came. I was coming home around 9.30 at night with my family. And I opened the door and I feel somebody's in the house. And I tell my wife, somebody's in the house. I dial 911. I say, hold the phone. If you hear something, just hit send. I said, don't worry about it. I know everything, what the weapons are, what everything is. So don't worry about it. So I walked into this room, was separated by a wall. It was an open kitchen on this side and there was a dining room on the other side. And in the back, there would be the kitchen. Now, I, I thought that person was in this side. So I started walking here, making a lot of noise. Hopefully this guy would do the opposite, of course. And then I make a U-turn and I come and get him. So I'm coming around the corner, sprinted. And we had to the kitchen, there was this big, thick curtain that we had instead of a door. And it was hanging in the doorpost. And while I'm coming around the corner, I see the curtain flying up. So I'm freaking running because somebody just ran through it. And there was nobody in the house. And that was, that was like, okay. You know, yes, all, my friends go, yeah, were the windows open? Yeah, there was a category four hurricane going on. I said, are you an idiot? Of course, I'm Dutch. We always close our doors, trust me on that one. But to see that moving, with not moving, flying up, somebody ran through it. Wow. So that was, that was a hard one. Then I decided to challenge the ghost. And I was at that spot because it was always cold at that spot uh, where the curtain moved. And it was a weird smell at times. And I just, at 3 a.m., I don't know why I decided 3 a.m. not knowing that Jesus passed away at 3 p.m. And that's where the demonic activity is that is best, you know, to do it at 3 a.m. But I did. And I started just challenging it for 45 minutes. I said, come on, I want, I want you to fight me. Bring it down to my level, you know. If, if I can't hit anything, you know, then it's not going to work. But, you know, if you want to fight, please come. Let's do this thing. And I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And somehow... It, it didn't happen anymore. But then after the last fight, I made a bunch of money. So I'd be moved to another house in where we had a pool because I always wanted a pool. After the first night, my daughter was sleeping upstairs, uh, my oldest one here. And uh, I asked, how, how, how was your first night, girls? And my daughter goes, it was nice, but I had a visit from two boys. And I go, you mean spirits then, right? And she goes, yeah. I go, you're not freaking out. She goes, no, no, they're very nice, dad. I go, whoa, whoa how, how old? I don't know, 16, 17? I go, honey, this is crazy. She says, so everything was good. She says, yeah, one kept playing on the bed the whole time. And then I asked them to please let me go to sleep. And they stopped. And they were gone. So I'm looking at my wife. I go down. I go on the computer. I type in if something ever happened in my house. And in 2001, on Christmas, poor parents, <clears throat> four kids, three boys and one girl, they, they were speeding on a road next to us. They flew out of control. They flew through our wall. And I looking outside, I see where the wall is repaired. 
two boys died, 16 and 17 years old. So now suddenly I go like, okay. Now I always was this guy that I know this is not it. I mean, it's way too complicated this life to be, but God and Jesus, you know, maybe it was responsibilities. I didn't want anything. I was far away from that. Anyway, we go again, we go like eight years for in 2014. We're actually filming Mall Cup and, 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 and a speaker comes to, in the break, a speaker's coming, Leo Severino, you know him as well. <clears throat> And my buddy goes, hey, uh, you want to sit in on this talk? Now, if you would have said, we're going to talk about Jesus and my God, I would have said, I'm up in my room. I'll see you guys in an hour, you know, but he didn't. He said, he's going to talk about how the world came together. Uh, it's cool. Guess sit, I'm going to smoke a cigar, right? Yeah. We're sitting outside, cabana, AC at the Wynn Hotel. I mean, smoking a cigar. And there's Leo. And the first thing Leo says is the leaf fell from the tree. That's literally his first line. He says, that leaf just reached its end destination. Let's go backtrack that leaf. And he goes back to the branch and then he goes to the tree before and he goes to the tree before and he goes to the tree before you see and i started thinking i go what do i know this story from? i know this from somewhere and then i realized oh crap that was when i was 10 years old right. you know because i was literally saying the same and the way leo started backtracking and hitting everything i mean i get goosebumps now you yeah eventually coming to this very solid proof of the very existence of god of a designer you know well that was it. And then, of course, the designer, well, that's that's God. Now we have God. So now I was full on in. I came home, uh, told my wife about it. She started laughing because with my ADHD, it's, she thinks it's another six weeks episode and then it's gone again, you know. But it started growing and, and it started doing more and it started going mass and, and uh, I started doing a daily rosary and, I go, and everything started coming. And she saw the changes in me, you know, the drinking stopped and the, the, and the drugs. Oh, that was far away from me. And all the stuff that I did wrong started getting out of my life. So then I asked her to marry me for the third time. We actually got married three times in total with her, with 30 years together already. So um, the next day after I asked her, she- You mean Mary, Mary in the church, Mary in the church, this third Mary time. Mary in the church, yeah. it's the Catholic church. Yeah. And she said, cool. And the next day I couldn't get a hold of her. And, and, and finally she called me back and said, where were you? She says, I was at church. I was actually going, doing mass. I go, mass, yeah. And I signed up for RCIA classes because I was baptized, but I didn't do my confirmation. So, I mean, in one day, she already decided it, bada bing, bada boom, here we are. And now I'm talking to you. That's, wow. in a nutshell, the story that happened. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think about those spirits? Because I know like Thomas Aquinas says, especially when people die, they can go to purgatory proper, or sometimes God allows them to have certain geographic locations. I mean, Thomas Aquinas says this happens. I think St. Gregory the Great also talks about it. Do you think these were souls in purgatory or were they demons? Have you talked to Father Ripperger about it? Like, what do you think was going on there with, with these spirits or ghosts? I, it has to be, like, I believe that the woman, at least, you know, uh, I know that uh, her son, because we see him in church also, is a Catholic guy. So, so oh. You would maybe she was a purgatory, but I think it was the reason was this. I think uh, Taylor, I was very drinking very heavy at the time, and I'm always a happy drunk. I'm dancing with the kids, but still, you know, you're doing this. You're still not a father. You're not not a man, not a husband, right? So I needed to change that, and I think it was her slapping me around, saying, "Hey, look at your family, dude. You have this beautiful family," wow. and that's I believe is the reason wow. that she did. I I don't know why, but that feeling I have now, looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, imagine that's your role. You gotta go uh you gotta go slap around a UFC fighter, heavyweight champion. 
<laughs> yeah, but they, you know, if I can't hit it, there's nothing they can do. But hey, bring it to a mental battle, whatever you want to do. I'm in, you yeah. know, let's see if it could happen. Well, possess somebody and fight me, whatever. But yeah. I wanted, I just, you know, it was scary. It was really scary. Uh, it would really freak me out. You know, because it was, you know, if you can't breathe and you feel the pressure and I'm I'm trying to, you know, and my arms, like I said, I, I tried to pull my leg out of the bed so I could push myself out, but I couldn't. The pressure was too much. It was really weird. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Latin mass. You like Latin mass. I like Latin mass. Did you see the interview with Shia LaBeouf and Bishop Barron? And he said, why do you like Latin mass? He says, because it feels like you're not trying to sell me a used car. Did you see that? I loved it. What amazing and <laughs> great addition to the Catholic faith. Yeah, yeah. So, so why why do you like the Latin Mass? I mean, well, I, I always say for fun, no cell phones go off, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. They, they tend to take their faith a little more serious. I like the people the way they're dressed up, but I like I like the way. It's been done for 2,000 years, yeah. you know, and it's not about the priest. It's not. It's we're there for Jesus, you know, and to do that and everybody's in himself. And even if you don't understand the whole, but he's talking about the gospel. And of course, they explain the gospel in English afterwards. You know, it has this, I don't know, it, it has this real good feeling about it. my wife loves it as well. We're at the St. Timothy uh, uh, all the time here in San Antonio. It's a beautiful church. But yeah, just so I like basic stuff. You know, in fighting, you know, how did you become so good? Because my basics are just, my fundamentals are really great. Yeah, yeah it's the same with the faith, you know. It's been there for 2,000 years. I want to do it like they did it at that time. That's what I want to do. That's why I like the Latin Mass. And there's the discipline of the Latin Mass. You know, it's not just, you know, it's kind of like when you fight or when you do, I only really know jiu-jitsu, but when you're trans, it's not like, Hey, I'm going to give the, the Taylor Marshall flair on a Kimura. No, no, no. You, you just drill a Kimura and you get good yep. at it. And it's the same thing with the Latin mass. Like, I don't want to know Father Bob's take on mass or how he's feeling that day or his expressions or his special yep. jazz hands or whatever he wants to do. With the mass. I don't I'm not interested in that yep. at all. Turn yep. around, drill it. You know, it's like the Latin mass is drilled. There's not there's not a lot of yep. variety in it. I like that. Do it. That's but everything in life, you know, just when I came back to the faith, that's how I, I, I just applied everything I did in fighting, which is always pushing, go as hard as you can. Right. I, I say this a lot to uh, uh, Catholics. I say the word that you should use a lot is also, you know, it's a karate word. Everybody greets each other like that. Right. And everybody says, oh, it's awesome. It's not. It's also. It comes from two words, Japanese words. Oh, she means push and shinobu means endure to push and to endure. I mean. That's a Catholic faith. I was texting it actually to you now, I remember, you mm -hmm. see? So, yeah. but I think that for people, and that's life in general, you know, if you want to excel at something, you're going to have to push and to endure. And I also like it the way it's supposed to do. If you do a Kimura or whatever move you make, you don't do it the way it's supposed to be, they get out of it. You know, if that applies to everything else in life, well, then it also applies to the Catholic faith. Yeah. Do it like you're supposed to. I, I can't understand, Lord, I'm not worthy. That in some churches, the people keep standing. You know, and I go, why would that be? You know, is, is, it, is it watering down? Is it make it easier on the people? Why, why would you? That's probably the, the, the main part in the best where you should be on your knees. Right. On your knees. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So, and then I, I can literally leave a church for that and go to a different church if they don't do that because I think it's a big thing. Go to Rome and find a church, try to find a church that doesn't do it. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, if it's been done over centuries like that, I want to do it like that. Yeah, it's a discipline, it's a tradition. And 
you know, I've heard people say, men and women, that the traditional Latin mass is more masculine. And I think that they're referring to this rigor, this discipline, uh, that it's not just sort of like emotive or expressive. I mean, that I do have emotions during mass, but, you know, like when we're kneeling down next to each other at traditional Latin mass, I'm not real, really aware of you. I'm not even really that aware of who the priest is, whether it's, you know, Monsignor yep. Bob or who. I mean, it's just we're at we're at Calvary. And in a way, we are rehearsing, we are practicing what it means to kneel at the foot of the cross. And we get a lot of chances at it. That's the mass. So I don't know why people just want to screw around with it and make it their own way or whatever. It just it just doesn't make sense. And also the the preparation to it, you know, you know, now you try not to eat at all. And the mass is at 1230. Well, then you have to abstain from food till that time. You also dress up. You know, it's like these churches where they walk in on flip-flops and, and, and shorts and because it's easy for them because then right after they can go to the beach in California. Go, why would you go to church? Right. You know, why don't you do the one hour of the 160 hours we have in a week? Do it the way you're supposed to do it. You know, if you want to be there and want to go to heaven, you know, let's let's make it count. Do that. Yeah. All right. What about the rosary? A lot of people today discourage it or they say that's the grandma's thing. You know, it's not what men do. It's not manly or you're just sort of you're you're just repeating going around on a circle on beads. You know, it just it doesn't do anything for me. You love the rosary. You love the Latin rosary. Uh, What's it mean for a guy who's a UFC champ? You know, for me, I, I see it also as a meditation. It's for me, it's 20, well, 18 minutes, I believe, around that time in Latin. And if you do 15 minutes in English, you know, and I, I used to, I stretch with it as well when I do it, you know, and especially when you know of the sorrowful mysteries, you know, when I'm in pain with stretching, you know, I go, come on, dude, <laughs> you can't lose out right now because right. he went through way more stuff, you see, and it's a, a way for me to cut off my mind. You know, for me, uh, like I miss fighting a lot. And the reason I miss fighting a lot is because it's peace for me. Finally, my ADHD stops. All the noise from the outside stops, especially when I'm fighting. There's one focus, one thing, you know, and I love that about it uh, and, and, and training as well. And then I have that also with the rosary, you know, where to do that. And especially in the beginning when you start, you almost get euphoric about it. I, I, I was calling my buddy, I go, man, this feels so good. This is so crazy. He said, boss, like anything else in life, that will go away, but the protection will be there. And once they told me that, when you do a rosary, every beat is like a shotgun blast to the devil. <laughs> Sign me up. And that's why also when they said, if you do it in Latin, you really you slap him in the face. If you do it in Latin, I go, well, let's start doing everything in Latin then. Because uh, if we need to fight that guy and he's everywhere and you can feel it, you know, it's like when you drink too much the next day, the weird thoughts and the things that go through your mind, you know, you left the door open, yeah. you know, for, for somebody to slip in. And, and that's him. You know, you have to really watch out. So that's why I like it. It's the meditation, but it's also, you know, it gives me a sense of power, you know, and protection. Yeah. You know, you connected something that I just connected in my own life that I've never realized before. And that is, I love the rosary. I pray the rosary using the evenings, but if I can't sleep, I pray the rosary. I mean, if I'm distracted, I'll pray. I, I pray the rosary because, like you said, all the stresses... All the things I have to do. I have eight kids. I've got book. I got all these things going on. And when I'm in the rosary, I just check out. I totally check <laughs> out. And I'm with God. I'm with Our Lady. Do I get distracted? Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, like after doing it every day for all these years, like 
it is like you, you you just get into the presence of Our Lady and of Christ and the mysteries. It's wonderful. But also the other experience in my life that I had that is jiu-jitsu. I've told it to my wife. I like jiu-jitsu because from 45 minutes or an hour, that whole time, I'm literally thinking of nothing else in the world except for that guy's arm around my neck, the crank on my knee, right? The Kimura slipping in, me trying to get in somewhere else. Like I'm so concentrated, I can literally think of nothing else. And I'm in like a black hole of thoughts for that whole time. I mean, maybe there's breaks, you know, but when you're on the mats and you're rolling, that's all that's in your mind. There's You can't have anything else going on. You're just in that space. And yep. I imagine like at UFC level, it's like times 100. You have, you have to, yeah, because one mistake, that's it, fight's lost. Yeah. You know, that's what the mixed martial arts always talk about. Uh, because punching, kicking, wrestling, submissions, everything's together. So there's many ways that you can lose, but there's also many ways that you can win. And most of the time, yeah, there's many ways that you can win, but that means you automatically, there's many ways that you can lose. So, you know, to have that one focus, it's everything. And, and, and it's, if you, because then after doing that, you realize you can do that for an hour, then you know that if other things pop up, you can also do it for an hour. It's just examples again. Yeah. You know, why am I able to shut it off if I'm doing a certain thing? Well, then I should be also able to shut that off doing other things. It's it's all focus. That's what yeah. it is. If you're doing something half, it doesn't work. And thankfully for me, most of the time in, in, in everything I do, I just go all the way. So it's, yeah. you know, maybe it's no gray areas with me. If I commit, I commit. You know, if you if I say I'm going to be there at 7 o'clock, I'll be there before 7. Yeah. Always. Like when I say commit to a Rosie, oh many, how many times did you miss, boss? Never. You know, and all my, my, my daily prayers in the morning? Never. Why? Never. No, you build a habit and you simply don't stop the habit. That's again from fighting what you're doing. There's days that you don't want to do it, of course, but you have to suffer and endure, right? Oh, oh, so oh there we go again. So just do it. Don't, not everything needs to be nice. And then sometimes it's hard and you have to fight through that because that's what life is. Obstacles come and you have to deal with those things. Yeah. Do you think having asthma and eczema and all that stuff as a kid kind of hardened you up to, to be tough like that? Or do you think it was something 100%. Else? You know, for me to go, I, I wanted to have the top room in the house, the attic. But it was a big attic and it was a nice room. But the restroom was one floor down. But if you have an asthma attack where you can't eat because you can't breathe, and you have to go to the restroom, well, that takes 40 minutes just to go down. And down is easy, because you take two steps down, sit down, <laughs> one step down. <laughs> and this is how you have to go down. There you do your thing, you gotta go up. Now it's up, that's more power. You see, but that was already bratted into me there. If I want something, I'm gonna have to work for it. It was an hour and a half experience to simply go to the restroom, you see? And, and again, if you do that for years in a row, you know you have to work for something if you really want it. And then I simply apply to everything else in life. Yeah, yeah. What was your hardest fight or your hardest moment in the in the octagon or in the ring? Um, it, uh, there were two that were tough, really tough fights. One was a rematch against Funaki, a guy that I lost to my very first submission loss. And then I fought him again for the world title many years later when I was really good at submissions now. And, and he made this thing. He went to me before the fight and he slid his yes. throat, like standing right here in front of me. And I got, ooh. And I look at my manager. I go, I'm going to kill this guy. And he goes, you got to stay calm. I said, don't worry. I'll stay calm. I said, but you watch. Once I connect, 
well, I'll go to town. Well, I both, both, broke both his cheekbones, his nose was flat, my arms and hands, my knees had bruises on him from kneeing him in the head. And every time he got back up, like five times, he would lay down and I thought the fight was over. And then the whole audience, Funaki, Funa, and then he got up again. And I go, oh, he's grabbing it again, <laughs> you know, so I kept him going. And then the final one was like, yeah, this is not a very Catholic thing for a lot of people. I grabbed him by the hair, which is completely legal. And I just drilled a knee in his in his face as hard as I could, and finally he stayed down. And my other one was against uh, my buddy who became my friend, uh, Kevin Randleman. Unfortunately, he passed away. I actually inducted him. Uh, I was one of the speakers on his induction into the UFC Hall of Fame last year. Um, and he, well, he he was a really great wrestler, and he took me down immediately and he was on top of me and he bashed my face in. I mean, my nose was broke. I got the contact. I was wearing contacts at the time, minus five and a half. So I can literally, I mean, if I have them off, I can't see where you look. That's how wow. bad my eyesight is. And uh, one was out and, and the other eye was filled up with blood and I was laying on my back because of course he was in my guard in between both legs because that's yes. the position for the people who don't understand it. And I was constantly swallowing blood, 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 blood. And I started getting dizzy. You see me in the corner trying to throw throw up to get the blood out of me because it was so, made me nausea. But that was a hard fight that, you know, that was the first four minutes was a barrage. And once I survived that, I liver kicked him mm -hmm. uh, after a stand-up. And later on, he told me, he said, yeah, that was... That was it. He said, you, you got me good with that one. So then yeah. I started attacking from the bottom, something that people never did before. And then I won on a split decision uh, win that fight. But it was, that was a very tough fight. Yeah, you were kind of, I guess, the, uh, the forerunner on some of those liver shots. That was, that was something you did. Yeah. What you know, it was uh, my first, I was at Badass Karatika, and I thought that I was the man. So I went to Thai boxing. And my, my hands are here because there's no punches allowed to the face mm -hmm. in karate, to the body, it kicks to the head, the knees to the head, all that, but no punches. And I'm facing, I'm sparring this A-class fighter, which is a pro, and he figured me out really freaking fast. <laughs> he hit just my head. But of course, you can't go slow up. you got to go hard up. And if you overcommit, you're exposing the body. Yeah. And he dropped me with a body shot, which I never experienced. I go, oh, what is yeah, I couldn't speak. What is that? And he goes, that's a body shot to the liver is located there. And I go, sign me up. And then Roman Decker's came. Roman Decker's became a good friend of mine. Also, unfortunately, passed away. Best Thai boxer in my book ever. Incredible, powerful guy. I mean, start knocking out Thais. He became the fighter of the year in Thailand, which always has gone to, went to, to a Thai guy. But then he broke the mold. Now they had to do it because he was just that good. And he started dropping people with liver shots. I go, oh, man, I have to learn this game. So. That's where it comes from, that combination. What, what was it like in the early days, UFC, and, and like you fought like Kem Shamrock and all those guys? I mean, what was it? And that's before you, I mean, UFC was big. Like you got the blockbuster video version of UFC back then, but like that was before the, the streaming and the pay-per-view. I mean, what were those days like? Because I mean, you, you were out there fighting. You know, we started in September 93. That was two months before the UFC started. And I remember Ken was on the same show talking yeah. about that he was going to do a cage fight. And I go, what is it? And he said, oh, man, he was looking forward to it. It was not going to be a referee. They can do whatever they want to do. I go, mm, I don't you don't want to do it? I go, I would like to have a referee in there. Because, you know, you know some crazy people are going to be attracted to that first show. Yes. And if you get knocked out and the guy decides to try jump on top of you and hit you five, six more times... That's asking for brain damage, you know, that's not a good thing. And thankfully, big John McCarthy, 
the referee who was instrumental in, 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 in mixed martial arts, the, the rules and everything he did, I mean, this guy is big. Um, he put his foot down after the second show because Tank Abbott got his uh, butt kicked and it, he was looking at the corner because the corner was allowed to throw a towel. And as soon as he looked at the corner, they all turned his back to him. And then later after the fight, he went to the corner and said, what was that? He says, well, Tank told us that if we would throw the towel, he was going to beat us up. And he goes, okay, that's it. So yeah. that's when he said, okay, it's either I'm going to step in and can stop the fight. Otherwise, I'm out of here because somebody's going to die. This is not good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then the big other difference is also there was no weight classes. I yeah. fought in Japan, you fought everybody. You know, my first guy I always talk about, he was like 35 pounds heavier. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I found also out on, I found that out on the day of the fight. <clears throat> and I also found out we only were fighting one round. So I'm all happy. I go, how many minutes? And he goes, 30. Yeah. I go, great. You know, <laughs> but I'm looking at my manager, I go, what am I doing here? Yeah. Fighting 30 minutes against a 35 pound heavier guy. This is insanity, you know? So when I came to the UFC, they actually made weight classes, only two. I believe they called in middleweight and heavyweight. And I was 200 pounds and over, was heavyweight, and 200 pounds and under was uh, middleweight. And on the fight, when I fought for my title, I was up with my jeans, I was 197 pounds. Wow. And they said, well, you can fight, but it's not gonna be for the title. I said, why not? She, she need to be over 200 pounds. I go, one moment, and I went to my buddies, they were drinking waters, I said, give me your waters. So I start drinking all that waters, I jumped back up, drank way too much, 203, <laughs> so I made the weight. So then, then I thought also, you know, because Frank Shamrock was the, the champion at the time, now my last two fights against Frank, I beat him. Yeah, yeah. In, in yeah. Pancras, in the other organization, so I go, okay, I'm going to be the first guy in history who's going to get uh, two, two, two belts in two different weight classes, so, because I was already under 200 pounds. You know, so, but then Frank retired, unfortunately, <clears throat> and the fight never happened. And that's when I said, I want to stop because I had so many injuries at the time already. Uh, training was not fun anymore. It was a tendonitis, a form of tendonitis that I had in both of my arms. Very painful. <clears throat> like I had 45 minutes to train. After the 45 minutes, I will be an hour and a half in pain. You cannot even describe. And there's nothing you can do. It's not like you can pop a Vicodin because you're going to have to fight. You know, and that's tough. You want to stay far away from everything. Sleep medication, stay far away from that because you need to be focused. So I said, you know, let's stop. And then seven years later, they asked me if I wanted to fight another fight. <clears throat> Who you want to fight? Hickson. Yeah, well, he's too expensive. You want to fight? I said, I don't care. I'll fight anybody. So just tell me. And there was going to be officially Kimo Leopoldo. Excuse me. <clears throat> that's what. Uh, that didn't happen because he got caught with steroids uh, before the fight. So they had another guy, also 265 pounds. Well, I'm like 208 at the time. So, but I was used, thankfully, to fighting big guys, and uh, that's when I had my very last fight in 2006. Yeah. Wow. And then you've you've also had some serious neck injuries. You were telling me about, and you showed me your scar and your arm. And I mean, I mean. Boss is a pretty tough nope. dude. If you're like, if you're actually in person with Boss Root and you're looking at this guy, he's still jacked, thin, strong. <laughs> but like, you look at your hands, you look at your feet, and you're like, this guy's a fighter. Like, you you show it, man. You look you look tough. You know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But tell us about your neck, because I mean, I that's that that's something else about your neck. You know, it's it's crazy. It never happened with fighting. If yeah. it, it, that was at a TV show. I was literally doing a fight scene in a TV show where I fall upside down, fell upside down on my head, top of my head, and only from this height, but you know, 200 pounds coming down, 
you know, and that, uh, and I didn't even realize something happened. I had a pain in my shoulder and I go, ah, it's weird, but whatever, you know, and then I was one day I looked in the mirror and I look at my wife, I said, is my, is my arm getting swollen? Look at this, it's really weird. You know, and that's when I start figuring out. And then I went to an autograph signing in Boston, I believe, for the UFC. <clears throat> but I didn't want to travel because it was so much pain. I had pain in my shoulder. So my, I never felt my neck. I was pain in my shoulder. Well, we did, I thought it was a shoulder injury, but it wasn't. It was it had to do with my neck. So I asked the doctor to put a cortisone shot in there. So he put a cortisone shot in there. And now the pain was gone. So now I used the arm again. And at the oh, I, I was at the at the airport and I tried to grab my luggage. I couldn't lift it mm-hmm. and I'm freaking out. So I try with my other hand and I can lift it. I go, okay, okay. So it's the right arm. It's not like I lost all my power, but that's when I found out it's actually, that was neck damage, nerve damage and it stopped sending signals to the arm. And that's it. Well, you can actually see, see it's a whole hole here. Yeah. It's uh, all, normally it's, it's filled up like on this side, but this is, yeah. And that was my whole arm was like this. Now I got a little biceps on it, you see, but it used to be all that. It was just a stick. And I'd, I couldn't pull the trigger from a gun. That's how, how weak I was. Wow. Now, another thing a lot of people ask, and I said, what do you want me to ask boss about? What's about? They want to talk about your old self-defense videos. Those were popular. <laughs> I was talking, I was with my uncle the other day. Hopefully he's watching. Hey, Uncle Nick. And he was like, oh, man, I had all bosses. I had the videos, the V, I don't, DV, I don't know if they were DVDs, VHS, man, we used to watch those, go through the routine, self-defense, bar fights, all that. So, I mean, that was a big deal. How many of those did you make? Just one. You Just know, one? Because, yeah, what happened was this. I made this big uh, book, the big books of combat, which are the biggest books in the world. We have like 6,800 pictures in there. There's two volumes, it's giant. But I had trouble with the guy. The guy screwed me over on a contract. It was something really nasty. Yeah. And, you know, but I, we promised the first 300 buyers they were going to get a self-defense book. Now, I didn't want to work with this guy anymore. But I made the promise to the people, right? So I better come down. So I said, okay, what about this? I'm going to make a video, a DVD. I can shoot it in one day. You know, I'll just write some bullet points and I'm just going to go and we'll see what happens. You know, so we made the DVD. And it's actually one hour, 45 minutes, pretty gnarly DVD. Uh, we go over crazy scenarios, but then that clip online came and I had no clue. I was doing sound effects. I didn't know I was going bang, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had yeah, no clue. Yeah, yeah, and they put all these sound is this, effects is in this that the, one clip. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's And you still see it. People have a meme of it. Have you seen the meme? Of course you've seen the meme. Oh, on Twitter. It's yeah, everywhere. it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Dang, dang, dang. Don't yeah. you ever do all these crazy things I'm saying. I don't believe in an eye for an eye. Right, I right. believe in two eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it was not in the script. It was just things I said. Right. And that became this crazy. I tried to contact that person who made it because I said, you got to be a fan, I guess. Right. So yeah. go to my website. Because I was selling T-shirts, shorts, shin guards, protection, anything. I was selling everything at the time. And I go, pick anything you want. And I'll send it to you for free. I mean, he gave me so much work. I mean, a cell phone commercial. I made the the, the fitness Google for Cartoon Network. I mean, video games, all because of that crazy four-minute clip he had on right. uh, on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> now, and what the other big story about you is, is you like beating up bouncers in Sweden. What's that story? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, they were called the mafia bouncers. That was yeah. their name. It was a Yugoslavian mob. Apparently, was standing there at the door, 
and and it was really weird when I walked in. He already said, "Hey, hey, boss, you're going to be relaxed tonight." And I go, "That's a weird thing to say." It was like a little alarm bell went off, and I'm just having a good time walking around, jumping around. And this guy's buying me a drink, and suddenly two guards are there, and they say, "I have to leave." I said, "For what?" They say, "You're bothering that person." I say, "You mean the person who's buying a drink for me right now?" That's, I mean, everything is okay. They have to come with us. I go, "Okay, I don't want any trouble," and they put me in between two doors. There's a big fire, marble escape going downstairs. Um, and they started, you know, the, the guy started in my face, you have to leave. And I go, sure, no problem, I'll, uh, I'll leave. Just tell me where to go and I'm good. I say, okay, do me a favor. I have a friend of mine from Holland, he's here, he's also bold. If you can tell him I'm outside, uh, that would be great because otherwise he has no clue where I am. He said, you don't understand. And he starts, I go, whoa, there's no reason to touch me here. You know, let's be normal, I'm leaving. No worries, let's go. And he says, no, he's I said, whoa, stop, don't don't touch me. And at the moment I push him, a big guy behind him jumped over and he stabbed a finger in my eye. And I go, guys, I don't want any trouble. And immediately he stabbed my other eye. Yeah, now it was bonk, I knocked him this out. This is the eye for the and eye, two eye for the two eye. Two eyes for an eye, he did it on me, you know? And, and so uh, they had these microphones, of course. So now the guys from the front, everybody came and I'm up there against five guys, you know? And I'm dropping everybody, but you know, they wake up while I'm fighting the other guys, more pissed now, and especially the guy with the eyes, he was constantly going after my eyes. It was a weird thing, and I go, I need to get the hell out of here, you know, this is crazy. So I'm fighting, and suddenly I realize, this is a fire escape, dude, there's a door downstairs, get out, you know? So I start going faster down, and I remember the door, and I remember the copper thing that I had to push in, and was locked. And I'm turning around, and here there are all five of them now. So now until that time, I was still fighting by the rules, so to say. So I didn't stab the eyes. I didn't kick the groin. I, I didn't all these things I stayed away from because I didn't want to give them any ideas. So they maybe start doing it as well. Although the one guy started constantly going for my eyes. But so as soon as I turned around and I made up that mind, they all stepped back. And I felt very powerful for a moment because I thought they could tell that I meant business. But... I had nothing to do with me because there was windows behind me and the whole police force was behind me. <laughs> and, and that's why they stepped back. And the problem, there was a big problem became because, you know, it's uh, one of the guards need to be a cop, an off-duty cop in order. Apparently, that's a rule in, in, in Sweden. But, well, he attacked me, so I knocked him out as well. So now I knocked out a law for, uh, 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 officer. So that, I was going to be there for six to nine months minimum they said Dude, it was a scary time they put me in a regular prison it was the wildest thing it was a movie i mean they drove into a mountain and the mountain stops the tunnel and there's three elevators and i go up four elevators i go out i go another elevator two down i go out another five up i was like i'm never going to leave this place and then the good thing happened that it was um the guards of course they knew me of fighting so I had like five guards in my in my cell. I, I had a video of VCR. They bring me coffee, cookies, cook everything. And they allowed me actually to make my first phone call to my wife, of course, who didn't hear from me. So finally I called her and I said, yeah, listen, that's, we have a problem here. Um, so, but then thankfully a friend of mine who lives in Sweden, they went with a group of guys to the bouncers and they said, hey, listen, please take the charges back because this makes no sense. You guys started this thing and thankfully they listened and they just released me, and that was it. So yeah, it's all cool and dandy now, but at that time it was uh, it was really not so fun. It was a yeah. little scary. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, you worked with other fighters. You train guys. Uh, who have you worked with? And like, also, have you hung out and talked to guys like people would know Conor McGregor and 
you know, Nate Diaz and Jones and these guys. I mean, you know, what's... I know all these guys. Yeah, yeah. So what are they like, you know? What are they like? They're they're great people. They're all of them. Connor was in my gym uh, training every workout. They're all great people, you know. And Connor, he's just... Misdirected. It's a lot of money coming at a guy like that, that age. You know, I would be stupid at that time. So he'll find his path. He'll be okay. You know, but all these guys are, they're great guys. I mean, the top guys that you meet, there won't be a street fight. But they don't want to get paid for it. Everybody somehow believes that the fighter sets his disputes with fighting. I go, no, that's the first thing I want. I don't want to do anything like that, you know? I'm probably if they hit me, I'm not even going to hit back at the beginning, you know? It's just let's calm down. Let's try to calm down. But yeah, no, they're all great people. And, and like I said, I had a show for nine years on TV. And so we interviewed everything. That show was a real fine show for me yeah. because all the old guys who would interview and the new talent would come. So yeah, you know them all personally. It's, uh, it's kind of cool. Who's your favorite right now? Who do you like right now? fighters ah it's a, such a very hard thing um because they're so good right now you know at the time when i was there you know i excelled at striking and submissions and that just there wasn't a lot of people like that now everybody's like that yeah. you see now there's weight classes now everybody's in shape in the early days some people they they they, they would get tired i go how are you how are you gonna get tired in a fight i mean it's your job Go run a hill, do something. I mean, it's, it should be unacceptable. It's, it's very simple, you know. Yeah. You just have to push really hard, right? So, and now everybody is in shape. Now you see at Francis and Gano, 265 pounds, going five rounds easy. You know, so that's what I enjoy. But now, so yeah, all, all of these guys, like Francis and Gano, Israel Adesanya, T.J. Dillashaw, Peter Young. I mean, there's so many fighters. I'm going to forget them. Uh, the, the the better John Jones. I mean, yeah, he's also leading off the path, coming back on. Hopefully, he stays on the path right now. You know, outside of fighting, right? He could be the best guy ever. I mean, he stops a lot of people. He's very exciting to watch. So yeah, there's a lot of really great fighters right now. Yeah, yeah. I want to <clears throat> ask you about this device right here. People are going to think I'm crazy when I pull it up. It's the O2 trainer. Don't. See you. I see you. Boom. Boom. You're back. Good. We're back. Are you back? We're back. Yeah. Yes. I think we're back. So, yeah, yeah I so. think so too. Wait, wait. Okay, you're breathing in, right? Breathe in. You see? I don't want to see that shoulder raising. Oh, <laughs> I got to go more gut. More gut. Yeah, all gut. It's all gut. This is what 95% of the people are doing. And it's completely wrong. You, you you take like 20%, 25% in your lungs. That's it. You can literally get up to five times more by just breathing diaphragmatically. And this device will actually force you to use those breathing muscles, which, by the way, we have 11 pounds of. A lot, a lot of people don't understand it. So <clears throat> let me give you a bunch of facts. Like medic clinically tested, you can look this up in published medical journals, but then the people have a little bit of an idea what it is. So... First of all, nothing in your body that you have control over is more important than breathing. It's your number one priority in the body. You don't do that for three, four minutes, you might be dead. Very simple. Now, another thing that a lot of people don't know, which I didn't know, so I assume a lot of people don't know, is that your lungs don't do anything by themselves. They're just two bags. There's not a single muscle in the lung. Right. So that means... Uh, that you, your lungs don't breathe by themselves. The only way for them to open up is to literally expand your chest. And there's a vacuum between your body and your lungs that will open up those lungs. And of course, that's going to go really fast. 
right? But that's how you breathe. And to open it up, your diaphragm is the main muscle for inhalation. That's an, uh, a, like a dome-shaped muscle tendon, which is located here at the bottom of your ribs. It's like a parachute that hangs in here. And what happens with that, every time when you breathe in, it flattens down. And from that view, you don't see a lot, but from here you see it expands. So it's actually really thin. It's only like five millimeter or something. It's a really thin muscle, but super strong. And expands your chest. And then you have the muscles in between your ribs, which are your intercostals. Your external intercostal muscles also open your chest. And that is how you breathe. So for the people at home, they think, uh, oh, so your chest expands because you put air in it. It's not, it's the other way around. Your chest expands, and that's how you pull the air in. So that's a really weird so, thing. And so again, real you have quick on the question. So... So a lot of times when you when you haven't run in a while and you start running again, you go run a mile or two, you get that side stitch, right? And people don't that's yeah, that's actually the muscle of getting tired of breathing, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. It's because it's, it's the whole with the diaphragm. It has to do something right. but you're not breathing diaphragmatically. Yeah. If you breathe like that, it's it's not good. Now there's another fact, hundred percent, metaborflex. That's just a big word for gassing. You know what happens when you're gassing? Let's say you're running a hill. Yeah. And suddenly you start gassing really hard. That is your body starts redirecting oxygenated blood. It pulls it away from your legs actually and starts pushing it to your breathing muscles because that's the number one priority in the body. You know, your 11 pounds of breathing muscles. Now, that is another fact. How does your stamina increase? Well, your stamina increases because you, when you work out a muscle over and over again, it becomes more efficient. And there you have it. The word says it, efficient. So it started using less oxygen for the same movement. But that's how you grow in stamina. Now, and then we already talked about this. 95% <clears throat> of the people are breathing wrong. The crazy thing is this. If you, this, you do about four and a half minutes a day maximum. I do five minutes. I'm always been an overachiever. I just do yeah. five minutes straight. But a lot of people, you just have to do four and a half minutes maximum. And that's your workout. So if you work out every day, like my, I post every day, I post a video of me on a special Facebook page called Boss Rutens O2 Bootcamp. It's a private page where only O2 trainer users are. And they, they tell their stories. I mean, you, you'll be blown away. Cystic fibrosis, asthma, COPD, anxiety, PTSD, back alignment. I mean, it, it, posture, everything is done more balanced. It's all your diaphragm, yeah. you know? And since nobody focuses on that, the reason why we don't focus on it is because we all believe that we breathe correctly already because we've been doing that since we came out of the womb. And they're right. You do that until you're five and a half years of age. And that's when you lose the perfect breath because that's when kids start going to school. That's when they put on belts. That's when they have to sit down. That's uh, when they uh, fall in love with superheroes and, and, and ladies with, with like models and, and they start self-conscious. They become, they think, wait a minute, if I start keep breathing through my belly, they might think I'm fat, you know? And all that together with instance, uh, for instance, uh, the doctor puts a stethoscope here. They say, take a deep breath. So you automatically go, oh, this is where my lungs are. Your lungs are not there. <laughs> your dense is most rich part of your lungs are at the bottom of your chest. That's where your lungs are. So start training those muscles and get back to the breathing like we were designed. We are actually the only animal on the planet that breathes incorrect. Everybody else is doing it correct. Yeah. Now, do you still have asthma? No. I trained three and a half weeks with this thing, and okay. that's why I know I had it. That's why I got the patent. Right. Three and a half weeks. Imagine this, uh, Taylor. I walked around with an inhaler everywhere. <clears throat> I would sneeze violently 
my lungs would close. A lot of asthma patients who are watching right now will have the same thing. Or they take a sprint for 50, 60 yards and they stop and two minutes later, they're gonna need their inhaler because the lungs close up. So I was carrying this all my fights. I had to use an inhaler every time. Everything in the dressing room because you warm up, lungs close, spray them open, and now you can keep going, you know? So for me to not wear, even have own uh, an inhaler anymore was just the most freedom. And it happened within three weeks of me using the prototype. Right. You know, and then I said to my buddy in Holland, who's also had asthma, I say, try this thing. It's going to help you. Eight days later, he's selling him in Europe right now for me. He goes, dude, this is insane. My asthma yeah. is gone. Now all the reviews are coming. Yeah. And now I have the published medical journals to back it up. I mean, I have a list of published medical right. journals on my website. So people come like, oh, you're just making that up. <laughs> yeah. 2000 published medical journals say different. What yeah. about that? No, I, I heard about it. Not from you. So. I mean, I got one. I was like, wow, this is the Boss Rudin, you know, VO2, what is it, uh, O2 trainer. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm obviously not using it correctly. I got to I gotta work on it. I need to meet up with you and, and learn how to. Now, do you train with it? Do you ever train? No, I used to do that. That's how I got rid of my asthma. Yeah. But then I got in contact with the trainer, a guy who used to train also Usain Bolt. And, uh, oh, and wow. apparently he sleeps in a high altitude. Yeah, he sleeps in a high altitude tent. Okay. And when he gets out of the tent, first thing he does is respiratory muscle training. Okay. And that's for what, nine seconds. Yep. It's all about the more oxygen you put in your body, the faster, the harder, you, more explosive you become. So yeah. it's one of those things that if you work out every day, why not doing this as a warm-up? You know, yeah. and now for, for the people who are going to are very interested right now and who use a stamina sport, let's say endurance sprints or whatever it is. In the beginning, when you do this and then you start running – it will actually backfire. Because what you're doing is you're training your breathing muscles, you're working them out. It's like doing your biceps curls, really heavy, and then you're gonna to have to lift boxes. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be harder because you just worked out your muscles. But in about 30 days, four to six weeks, your muscles are updated. And for me now, when I do a 10 rounds on the back, and I go full power, I do first the O2 trainer because prelim preliminary studies have shown that your second wind is actually your diaphragm being warmed up. Uh, and I'm warming up my diaphragm with the breathing exercises. I don't even open my mouth when I go on a bag. And I go, yeah. you know, so it, it completely changed my life. That's why I'm screaming out of the rooftops. I go, you have no idea how much better you're going to feel. I have fighters calling me, leaving me a message because I've never been like this. I mean, Lyoto Machida had COVID and he was doing it for like four months straight. And then after COVID, he decided to train with his students who fight in the UFC and the Bellator and all these companies. And he left me a message. He's got, I, I, I was outworking everybody. He says, I've never breathed like this. It's the most insane thing. So yeah, it, it really works. You could look at it, you go like, this is it. This is good. It's got to change it. It's yeah. like weight training for your breathing muscles. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've got the, uh, everybody, the links on the screen and you, and the uh, mods will put the link in the live chat and the links below in the show notes. So, Check it out. I once worked with uh, Hicks and Gracie, and he said the secret to fighting is breathing. And if you can actually oxygenate and learn to oxygenate before a fight and during a fight, you'll be amazed at how much better you will be because oxygen is you, you got to have it. You got to have it. If you don't have it, you're going to start losing your mind. You're going to start doing dumb stuff. You're going to lose. You know, I, I explain it's always simple, very simple like this. Right? So, um, imagine you have two brothers, two clones, who are identical in every way. Same fingerprints, same DNA, average, completely 
uh, identical. And they decide to, to do a, a triathlon uh, between the both of them, see who's the strongest. And they both have, a, let's say, the, the, the swim coach comes in and he sits in front of them. They give him the same information at the same time. So they receive the same information with the swimming coach, the running coach, the cycling coach. That They do everything else the same. They eat the same. They drink the same. They sleep the same. Everything is identical. Only one of them is training his breathing muscles. Who do you think is going to win the triathlon? Right. You know, and there you have your answer. You know, if two teams are equally uh, or two fighters, doesn't matter, are equally skilled the one with the most endurance is probably going to win the fight because he's that person that keep on pushing, you know. And let, let's face this, I've been traveling during COVID. I've been traveling to Europe, back and forth, to, to um, Budapest. I've been there a, a lot of times. I've been constantly been traveling. I've been used the auto trainer, zero, no COVID, no nothing at all. So I really believe that this yeah. is the cure for a lot of people. Just breathe the way you're supposed to breathe. Yep, and now only focus on the belly to expand. Yeah, yeah. There it is. All right, so what would you say to anyone watching who's a fan of Boss Rutan? And they're like, Boss is a Catholic. What's that all about? I mean, what would you say to those people who admire you, but they're kind of skeptical about the spirituality, Christianity, Catholic, rosary, praying in Latin? You know, demons after us, Jesus Christ. What, what do you say to those people? Do your own homework. That's what I'm saying. Don't be like me, the guy who just repeats. Oh, you're Catholic? Oh, pedophile priest. I mean, once you start breaking these things down, you realize these are bad people. And you have them everywhere. This is not what Jesus said. You know, once you start doing your homework, it's very simple. It's that's, There's only one way. And, you know, you, they didn't have the, the experiences that I had. I had them for a reason, I guess, right? Because that put me right back into the faith. Now I know there's something going on that we can't see with our eyes or feel with our senses. So, you know, it's it's just steer away, stop listening to other people and just start reading. Like the, I remember the very first time I read Matthew, Matthew 7, 1 to 5, right? Judge not that one, but I, I talked about the splinter in the brother's eye. Why do you try to remove the splinter from your brother's eye while you have a wooden beam stuck in your own eye? You hypocrite. Get rid of the wooden beam first so you can see clearly. And then you can remove the splinter from your brother's eye. And I go, that was me. I mean, I was I was drinking like a maniac, yet I would give advice to people who are alcoholics. You see? <laughs> that was, and, you know, and immediately when you read a line like that, you go... That was me. And, and then once you start bringing it back, and this is also a trap that you fall in. Once you start living a real Catholic life, you it, it, you got to watch out for pride. Because then you believe, like, said, oh, he should do this because that's a better way to do it. He should, see, that's pride. You know? Yeah. Dude, you were way worse than the other person. Just give people time. You know, we'll be okay. Stop talking. You know, just relax. And, and, and work on yourself, work on your faith. And, and once you do that, and really dive into it and have good people, like Father Ripperker, and like you have good people who instruct you yeah that's that's it that's everything you know if you go to a wishy-wash place somewhere else i don't know but it, and you know it's not really being presented to you the way it's supposed to be it's harder of course but again you can do your own homework but first of all stop listening to all the naysayers because they just get in your head and the problem is this if if for instance somebody looks up to uh let, let's say me i wasn't in the faith and then I say, oh, my God, I'm a big fan. Are you believing the faith? I say, no, 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 no. That's, that's, all, that's all bull. You know, then that might steer them away from, from the faith. You know, so don't listen to these people. You don't know these people. You don't know me. I can be a crazy guy. 
you know, you you look, there's actors out there, we always thought, you know, there were great actors, there's only they like, like 60 women or something. But he was such a comic guy, he was always comedian, he was nice, and, and I was doing the things that he was doing. Stop doing that. Do the things because you want to do them. And do your homework, that's the thing. Do that in politics, in training, in fighting, in whatever profession you have, stop listening. Listen, but take, you know, check it out. That's what I always do. Just make sure, this is not what I did with fighting. Yes, I listened to him, but some moves, I, I just simply made them better. Could you make it better? They're all there for thousands of years. Yeah, at least I made it better fit for me, you know, for my body type. You know, there's always things that you can do to improve. But uh, yeah, do that and dissect it and you're going to find out you're going to be the same as me. You're going to pray a rosary very soon. <laughs> I love it. Do your own research. Love it. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of rosary, y'all, I'm giving away. It's month of the rosary, October's Our Lady of the Rosary. And I'm giving away another Seraphim Rosary. So if you want to be in the uh, raffle for it, go to... This is a nice one right here. I got to get you one of these, boss. These are Seraphim Rosaries. They're nice. Heavy duty. I mean, you could fight with this. Tell I you heard what. you talk about it. Yeah. Tell you what. What you carrying? i show you right now. This is my travel bag. <laughs> what you got? I got oh, this Oh, yeah. One. I've got one of those, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a heavy what? one. You got me also. I, I really like that one as well. I oh, use yeah. that in the morning. I walk the dog in the park. Yeah. And, uh, that one you got right there. I mean, you could pull a child out of a pit with that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, paracord. That's that's never going to break. No. And this is a badass. Like a lot of passionist uh, saints are oh, in this. The uh, relics. Cross when you, open. you got the relics in it. Yeah. Yeah. Relics in it. There, you see, open it up. And you can slide it to the side. You see, and there are all the yeah. relics in there. Yeah, that's it's it right really there. Cool. I like that. Got this so, one in Rome. So you're, no matter where you're carrying the rosary, you got relics with you too, saints' relics. That's it. That's on the point, point man. That's a quip. That's a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. They never stopped me with it. It's weird. They stopped me really? last time. I had to shake. Yeah, shake the thing. And it's these little tiny blades. And I had to turn it in. I go, I've been traveling with this thing for the last five years, guys. Come on. I mean, I think these are more dangerous than that little tiny knife right now. Yeah. But I had to yeah. give it away. I said, well, this rosary, this. I, was, I was with this rosary. This is a seraphim rosary. It's pretty heavy. And they stopped me and uh, and that, and uh, took it out of my bag and gave it back to me. I said, why did you stop me for this? And they said, well, we thought it was a weapon. And I said, well, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that out loud because then they might look at it again. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm giving away a Seraphim Rosary for Month of Rosary. If you want to be in the drawing, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I'll also send you a free smaller rosary and a copy of my book, Rosary in 50 Pages, patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. If you want to get bosses, man, I really got to work on the O2 trainer. Oh, yeah, you got one right there. That's an <laughs> autograph one. That's an autograph one. Uh, and if you want to get yeah. uh, Boss's O2 trainer, I'm going to start working on it. I'm making a commitment. You have to. Yep. From the gut. I got to breathe from like, the gut. Yeah. Are you setting five or something? I think you have a little bigger one on it right now. Yeah. Just like I said, like this is this is a two. Is a okay. Really oh, that's thing. too much. I, I, I went down on the two on the small one. And I said, no, nah, I can't do this. And I went back up no. to big. But I got to get also with this. 
Don't, don't try to jump ahead for a lot of people, right. you know? Don't try to do the smaller setting. We all are wired like we want to have the smaller setting right, right away. You, you're not going to do it correctly. I don't do it. I've been doing it over right. four and a half years. I use setting one and a half or two. Okay. That's it, but not one. Because if I do that, it takes way too long. If you really do it like you shoot, a complete inhale, complete yeah. exhale, yeah, you can't. It's, okay. it's too well, much power. Well, next time I'm with you, I'm bringing mine, and I'm going to have you watch me do it to make sure. That I get okay. real, real Sounds down good. in the belly. All right, that's an O2 trainer, lowercase, or it's the letter O, not a zero O. O2trainer.com. Well, Check it out. I, I, I knew people were going to do a zero two, so I have that domain as well. Oh, you do? It's forward. Smart. Yeah, smart because man. You, know, you know people with telephone numbers, they do zero two. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's, exactly. So just to make sure. All right, before we sign off, uh, boss, why don't we uh, we'll pray the, the Hail Mary in Latin, Ave Maria. Do you want to lead it? Yeah. All right. Ave Maria, grazia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tui mulieribus, e benedictus fructu ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Saint Sebastian, pray for us, patron saint pray of Athens. Pray for us. Awesome. Boss Rutten, thanks for coming on. God bless you. Everybody, thanks for watching. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Boss, thank you so much. Yeah. You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Signing off.